I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Welcome back. I am excited to be here with my friends today, Elise Daly Parker and Alana Kuwabara. And today we are talking about how to raise grownups that you, yes, you the parent like, and that other grownups will like. But before we get started, I want to hear from you guys about what you are loving right now. Alana, can you go first? Why, yes, I can. So <laughs> I have been on the hunt for some sneakers. I I own one pair of sneakers and they're like athletic type sneakers. And I have really been struggling. I am, I'm actually turning, well, I don't know what, when this will air, but I'm turning 39 this year. So it's like, there's certain sneakers that are not, they're cool. But as soon as if I put them on, they won't be cool anymore. But I also (laughs) don't want like, you know, to go too far beyond my years. So I found the perfect sneaker at Zara. <laughs> it's this sock. It's sock very sneaker. cool. Sock it, sneaker boot. It is so comfortable. Like you feel like you're walking on a cloud. And I literally am enjoying when I have them on, like wherever I am, just for a moment, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. go, oh, yes. You know, my feet feel so good. <laughs> and I look cool. And young people have commented on my shoes. So I just feel like I really hit the jackpot. And I had a Christmas gift card. Otherwise, I would not have spent the money on these. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Thanks. Thanks, Nana. Oh, my gosh. I'm always trying to figure out. Like, I have my kids come into my closet. And I'm like, all right, tell me what I need to get rid of. Tell me what I have no business wearing. Tell me. Please help me. That's good. They're like, didn't you have this when we were little? And I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, I I, pro- I probably wouldn't like. So one of the things I'm loving right now is actually Green Chef. So mm-hmm. I every January I do a Daniel fast. So again, depending on when this airs, I am in, we are in January right now, and it just takes all the guesswork out of preparing meals. So I sign up for the vegan version, which I actually, I've been using it for years, but this time around, it's just really, it's just been so helpful. And for, for me, fasting for a long time was all about, it became all about the food that I was allowed to eat, what I wasn't allowed to eat. I'd stress out over the years. I've, I've modified it. So there's a certain way that I'm fasting this year. That's, that's Daniel and whatever, but it just, it makes it easy. It no longer is about the food and it really becomes a time when I can connect with God, draw closer to him. I don't have to stress out about like, am I going to have to eat like raw veggies to like blue in the face? Or can I actually like have fun with what I eat and stick to the plan? And yeah, so I'm loving that. I've been doing it for a number of years, but I just, I'm so grateful for it. And my family is too. I just throw a protein on it and they can have it. They don't love it. They certainly would love to have other meals for dinner, but this is what we got and it works. So say it again. What is it? 
Green Chef. So it's mm-hmm. like any of those meal prep services. I started with them years ago because they were the only one that had a vegan meal plan. Now I think most of them do, or they all do. And I've just stuck with them. Love it. I'm loving that you're doing that. Mm. <laughs> and I'm loving the idea of doing that. Love um, that for you. <laughs> yeah, I love no, I actually, I, I, I do, I do want to make more vegetarian meals this year. That's one of my, mm-hmm. one of my things, which my daughters are so happy about. But I am actually loving that I, this, I just, this Christmas wasn't ready to let go of the season and yet it was time to take down the tree and all that stuff. So I instead have done some winter, I've left some things that are, you know, borderline, but I've also added a couple of Christmas, uh, not Christmas, uh, winter-esque, like a bowl with some big you know, what are they called? Birch candles and Mm -hmm. a little bit of lights wrapped around there. So yeah, I'm loving keeping some sense of the holiday spirit without hanging on to the holidays. Yeah. I love that because Christmas shouldn't be the only time you decorate or like change the decoration in your home or the schemes or the pops of color. I love that. Or the Febreze scent. That's usually one. That too. (laughs) It's spring. Time for a new Febreze scent in the bathroom. (laughs) I am trying to coordinate my candles now with the season for sure. And I love Target's, whatever their standard line is. I love it. And so I've got- A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. People love that. Yeah. I change my candles up always. Like Mm -hmm. this is, I still have those wintry smells and I love them. I'll move into spring and I do more grapefruity stuff. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing with hand soap and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I switch it out. I like that. It's refreshing. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to talk about kids. Now, Alana, this was your idea. I'm going to pin this one on you. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was a great thing to talk about. Real quickly, I just want to, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this concept of raising kids that you will like. And one of the things that he says is that parents are the arbitrators of society. They teach children how to behave so that other people will be able to interact and meaningful, uh, meaningfully and productively with them. And so we know that by nature, we would not do the right thing. (laughs) By nature, our kids, you know, don't, they have no boundaries. They would want to do what they want. Even as adults, we do that. And so there is something to be said for teaching them how to have self-control, set boundaries so that they can be responsible adults, so they can be productive adults, so that like we'll like them as we grow older with them and that other people will like them. So that's what we're going to talk about today is like, what does that mean to be a child that we like, that other people like? What are the benefits of it? And what are some of those attributes that we see in kids that are likable? And this isn't, and I just want to say one thing, it's not from a sort of pat on the back viewpoint. It's like we're setting them up for success by taking these things seriously. And so what does it look like to do that? What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, I think I like the distinction, first of all. I also think we're setting them, them up for success. We're also not doing it so that we feel good about the children we've, I mean, of course, on some level, but you know, it's not just about that. How mm-hmm. can I make them look good so I look good? 
it's really about how do, how can I develop traits in them that will will carry them far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly yeah. as our kids get older, like I I do as I'm starting to transition into friendship stages with my oldest, I. It's, I'm thrilled to see that she has some attributes that I really enjoy, that like, mm-hmm. I would actually like her if she wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's good. That's the goal. I think, you know, for me, the, this concept, part of this concept actually came out of necessity because we have, we're, my husband and I have just always been very busy people. And so, you know, we needed to be able to take our kids anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so neither of us was willing to take our kids to places and have them have temper tantrums or not be able to be left, you know, you know, alone or, you know, with a coloring book or something like that, or whatever it is we needed, it was out of necessity for who we wanted to be as a family and, you know, just who we wanted them to be when we're out and about, you know, mm-hmm. I, I never wanted to be, you know, I didn't really grow up wanting to have kids or fantasizing about being a mom, but I knew that I did not want to be the mom in the grocery store with the kid throwing the temper tantrum on the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's, I that kind of necessity side of it can be informative as long as like what you've both said, it's, it doesn't become about your children needing to perform in a certain way so that you feel validated by other grownups. You know, it's for their benefit that they're people that you like, Mm -hmm. and it's for society's benefit, like Jordan Peterson, Peterson was saying, everybody benefits when you raise kids that you like and that grownups mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can think of times when, you know, a mom's whole day is derailed because they've given in to what their kids want and what their kids have demanded or how their kids have behaved. And they end up losing, you know, because they they haven't set the boundaries. They haven't cultivated certain attributes in their children that make it possible for them to do the things that they need to get done, done. You know, Mm -hmm. there are very real things that we would miss out on if we continue to let our kids sort of run the show, behave the way they want to behave. And, and I don't know, like it it goes back to maybe necessity or stubbornness, but I'm not willing to let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, that first time, you know, just in the way of kind of trying to navigate this, because I know it's so, it can be so difficult. But if you're in the early stages, that first temper tantrum or that first, you know, just outright defiance, you know, and you, you have that reaction in our house, it was like, the first time's a freebie, you know, but we're going to address this you know, make sure that this is not the standard yeah. that we're living by. Yeah. So what are some of the other benefits you think of, of raising kids that people like, that we like? 
just being able to have great conversations. I mean, I'm assuming that's part of what makes us like them mm-hmm. <laughs> is being Spending able time to with in, them. Yeah. Interact with them and have good conversations and, you know, making that part of, certainly that was part of what we did as mm-hmm. a family. We had conversations. We, we had a table that we sat around and um, we had a talking spoon. So people got a chance to talk and that was very, you know, so I think that's really important. I, I think also, depending on how you're training them, one of the things that we want to cultivate is people that are interested in other people. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes, that makes for conversation interesting and less mm-hmm. self-centered. And, you know, why isn't anybody talking to me? Well, you can talk to them and you can ask them a question. That's kind mm-hmm. of, that kind of equipping I think is really important. Yeah. You know, when the kids are little, I know that it's, it's likely my guess is I know this <laughs> I don't, I can't think of any, anybody in particular, actually. Well, maybe I can. You can ask for more playdates when your kids are compliant, obedient, and likable. Yeah. Like you just do, True. especially in those early age, in the early years when my kids were really young and like the mom came along, came along to the playdate, like my very lifeline of who was going to be willing to hang out with me did have a little bit to do with whether or not my kids were well-mannered, whether or not they actually like respected another person's home and things and whether or not they threw a temper tantrum or whether they were like, I'm not eating what you're making me. Like, like what are some of those things that would cause you to be like, Hmm, it's really difficult to spend time with that family. (laughs) Maybe we do that a little less. And that's unfortunate, especially if you really like those grownups or you really need those relationships or those friendships. So I, I think one of the benefits is that you're just, you're included in more things because like you said, True. Alana earlier, out of necessity, the, you know, that interaction and the things that you need to do, you can trust and rely on your kids to bring them along. I totally agree with that. I, it's such a, it's such a difference when you, when you have kids over to your house and they're a joy and you, mm-hmm. you know, you enjoy that these other kids are in your home mm-hmm. and you don't feel like you have to be on top of them the whole time, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's just a completely different experience. But, you know, and I also think as they're, I think about the fact that one day my kids are going to be out there in the world without me. And, uh, you know, it it's just benefits everybody to raise kids that other people are going to like that mm-hmm. you that are going to walk into a room and be you know a calming force or be people who can bring out the best in other people who mm-hmm. care for others i mean we just need more and more as much of that as we can get if you're going to have kids and you're going to if you're going to bring human beings into this world let's send them out there as agents of good and Mm-hmm. love and care and good conversationalists, like you're saying, Elise, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, people want to have around, of course, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, think it's getting there. That's, that's the the tricky part. It, I talked about this recently on a, <clears throat> I, I think I did a little reel on it, training versus trying, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I loved that. That was really um, good. Thank you. Learned that from my counselor, Suzanne. <laughs> Because it's true. It's like, 
um, trying is going to, you're going to wear out and it's just going to be like, well, I'm trying to make this change, but we, we are training our children to go out into the world. And this mm-hmm. is a really good example of equipping them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about like teaching them to, to, yes, be polite and kind, but also to be able to speak up for themselves, mm-hmm. to be able to initiate a conversation. You know, I think about job interviews and how hard those can be if if you're not used to speaking to adults. So I think exposing our kids to adults is really important. You know, all that, it just, the, the benefits multiply. They just, mm-hmm. they just, and they stay with them for the rest of their lives. So we are doing our kids a favor when we really work on training them to be, to be people that are liked and people that, that show enthusiasm and passion and humor and all, you know, whatever, Alana, as you talk about, whatever is in them to kind of bring that out, help them bring that out and, and make that, make themselves appear that way in the world as they, you know, I'm saying this so badly to magnify their gifts, basically it's good. to train them, to magnify their gifts yeah. and mm-hmm. go out there with them and share them. Yeah. And I think it takes big picture thinking to understand the benefits that you could have. You know, I find that the more likable, and we'll get into some of the traits in a a moment, but the more, you know, articulate someone is, or the more respectful someone is, they're going to get opportunities that other people aren't going to get. I feel like I definitely have seen, you know, in my, even in my community, like where we live, there's opportunities to, meet people, engage with people who are like, for example, we live right outside New York city. And so there's a lot of people that commute into the city and they have a lot of different types of jobs. And there are certain jobs that really, if you're a child, if you're a high school student or even a middle middle school student, and you build a rapport and a relationship with the people in this area that are doing something that you see yourself doing in the future, you're going to have more opportunities than somebody who isn't likable and who can't hold a conversation and who doesn't want to be bothered with grownups when they're taken by their parents to a social event or who, who doesn't, you know, pay attention. Like their, their future, we keep talking about like the future. And that's, that's the important part of it is like stepping back and saying, okay, I'm, I'm in this situation with my child. Now, what am I willing to give up? in order for there to be a future result that's more beneficial to them than getting that giving them what they want right now. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about really helping them to understand that we're a community and that we're connected. Mm-hmm. And that, and I think that's a really important, again, benefit of teaching them these skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we can go down the list. Let's talk about some of these, these skills, these traits that we're talking about. And really, I mean, my, I have to be honest, a lot of these things I didn't have when I came out of school and I kind of became an adult, like I really got by with a lot of lazy habits because I just wasn't taught them. I mean, it was, I don't think I was a bad kid. I wasn't, you know, whatever, (laughs) but I, I really wasn't taught these things on purpose. And I feel like the first couple of years out of school, I was really at a disadvantage. And so these are all, these are just things we want to be cultivating within our kids, but also we can work on these ourselves. So who wants to go first? Well, I would say, again, for me, it's really important that my kids learned how to engage in adult conversation, that when somebody spoke to them, they 
looked them in the eye, they responded. And I definitely had, I mean, all my kids would say they were introverts and yet they were trained to be able to do this. And all of them can really interact well with adults. So I think that engagement for me was really important, teaching them to really be interested in other people and learn to ask questions. And I was, interestingly, Kimberly, I was exposed to that because my father took me to conventions when I was young. And you, you, you would either sit at a table like a fool <laughs> next to these adults or you would engage. And, and I had to learn, you know, even at 14 to talk to these adults, men and women at a table. And it was hard for me, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but it really taught me something. And I think that's why it was really important to me that I pass it on to my kids as well. Mm-hmm. Builds confidence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm right with you. The We would actually have, we don't do it as much anymore. We do it, you know, for in kind of new situation. My son just turned eight. My daughter will be 11 in July. But we would talk to them in the car usually before we got somewhere. Okay, we're going to go into this place and there's going to be grownups there and they're going to want to talk to you. They're going to say, hi, how are you? And this is, you're going to look at them in the eye. You're going to speak up so that they can hear you because that's something that frustrates us. And when you can't hear children and ours in particular, and you know, you're going to ask them how they're doing, you know? And so we would have these conversations and sometimes it would not go very well. And, you know, you'd have to regroup and go, okay, we're going to try it. We're going out to this place again. We're going to church or we're going to the office or whatever. Okay. Remember how we're working, you know? And you, so you have to remind yourself too, but to remind yourself, to remind them, like, mm-hmm. remember, okay, we're working on our introductions. Okay. <laughs> when someone says, Hey, how are you? They're so excited to see you. Yeah. It is such a blessing to them that, you know, so many grownups, they just love, we love to see kids. You know, we love to see little kids and their cute little outfits and, you know, the cute little ways that they talk. We get so excited. And, you know, so teaching your kids to respond to that, you know, Mm -hmm. give them Mm -hmm. that's part of that conversational, like give and take. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because like, well, people will go to classes and and workshops and read books on communication as an adult. But we can teach our our children these things, too. So that's my little add-on for from Elise. But I also think some of the some of the other traits are besides the basic please and thank you. Although I've heard from other parents just how amazed they are, my kids saying please and thank you. And they my kids surprised me as well. So I don't know how much credit I can take for it, but they are very they're very grateful kids and that gratitude really goes a long way with others, Mm -hmm. with other adults, as well as with me. Oh, I I wrote a little note down about obedience and self-control in regards to energy. I just think, you know, those kids who can, who don't, who aren't bouncing off the walls 
the entire time. Uh, kids are going to be kids and that, you know, there's biological factors to that and they have all this energy. But I think one of those traits kids that grownups like is kids that can just chill and like read the room. <laughs> we'll say that to the kids sometimes, like read the room. Like we're mm. not doing that right now. Everybody's chilling. Get a book. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Like, Reading the room down. is a good skill. Yes. <laughs> yes. Years ago, I was at an event or a party or some, something at a friend's house. And one of the women had, like, I think the child was trying to interrupt. And we've developed some techniques for that. Like, right, we taught our kids, like, if you need to interrupt, you put your hand on, you put your hand on my arm. And then when I... I I will put my hand on your hand to let you know, I know you're there, but you need to wait until I'm done speaking. Like, you know, these non-interrupting tactics, but he was, her child was trying to like get in on the conversation and like, she, she turned to him and she says, I need you to stop right now and practice self-control. And I was like, Ooh, I didn't, but I didn't like that at the time. I was like, Oh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, but then after a while, I like said it to my kids once or twice. And I was like, Ooh, I like this. Like it works. Like, and I even had one point was like, okay, practice self-control, put, put, put your hands together, you know, and just put them on the table. And like, just that physical act mm. of just folding your hands for just a moment, sort of like switch the energy, but self-control is important and it's so important for them to have it. Like, I feel like we definitely live in a culture where we want to do everything that feels good. That seems right. Um, you know, why shouldn't I be able to do what I want to do? I'm not hurting anybody. Well, sometimes you sort of are, (laughs) but practicing self-control and restraint is really a, a, a positive thing. It takes more, it takes more to, practice that self-control than it does to just act on our impulses. So it's actually a braver thing or like has more, there's more character involved in that than there is in just feeling their way about a situation and be able to do whatever they want to do. And so that's such a great skill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I never was good at that. The signal the get my attention signal thing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's something that we still, we still are actively working Mm -hmm. on. Cause that's a good one. That Mm -hmm. just like, and then (laughs) they're like, but they're not saying anything, but they're there. And they're like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, yes, yes. And it goes back to reading the room. If I'm in the middle of a conversation, give me the moment. Don't interrupt me. I mean, I struggle with interrupting people and I'm really, that's a habit I still have to break. (laughs) I've known you a long time. I don't notice that habit, but that's interesting. Have a chat with my husband. (laughs) We'll set you straight. (laughs) But that's a good one too, to teach our children not to interrupt is Mm -hmm. gold. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because I come from a family where like around the dinner table, everyone's talking on top of each other all the time, laughing as loud as you can, mm-hmm. just like reaching for stuff. And I married a man whose family is the exact opposite. Interesting. And so that's taken some time to get into the, mm-hmm. the middle of wherever yeah. that is. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Well, let's, that leads us to humility. <laughs> yes. The ability to humble ourselves, to not interrupt, to, 
Yeah. I mean, I think that underscores a lot of what we're talking about, understanding mm-hmm. what, that we're not the only person in the room, that we're not the only person that's invested in whatever it is that we're doing. We're not the only one that cares about being here. Like I think of, you know, my son, he used to, he's so funny. He would say, mom, like if we picked him up from a play date and the, you know, the mom start chatting, mom, are you done chatting? And I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, I make time for you to see your friends. I would like you to respect me and my time where I'm interacting with my friends. Like I needed that just as much as he did. Again, going back to my necessity, I wanted to train my kids to allow me to actually talk to grownups because I was at home, stay at home mom by myself, not interacting with other adults. And I was not going to have you interrupt my time (laughs) to get filled up and just get a little bit of refreshment that I needed. And so that was something I really made a point for my kids to understand. Like, yeah, you're here to see your friend, but I also like his mom and we're talking about something right now. And that's just as important for you to play with your friends as it is for me to play with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I think another way to treat, to help our kids learn is some boundary stuff. You know, without being rude, but to learn that it's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance because on one hand, we want them to be engaged. We want them to be good conversationalists, polite, all those things. But on the other hand, they, they also need to learn how to be, be okay with not necessarily answering every question that comes their way. I'm not even sure how to equip them to do this, but Mm -hmm. I think it's a kind of, what I'm thinking about is we want to also help them. And I think I mentioned it before, sort of stand up in their own right without being obnoxious. And I think you can do that. If something really feels off or that somebody's asking questions that they don't really want to respond to equipping them to say things that are not offensive and insulting, but also help them to respect their own boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important. One thing I thought of that my husband would, has done a really good job of doing because he would like to bring our kids into his work sometimes, like bring your kid to work day or whatever. And one of the things that he did teach our kids is with to introduce themselves with a handshake. Mm. And that may seem a little bit antiquated or unnecessary for a child to do, but that's something that he has instilled in them. And over the years, especially even when we travel, like if we meet new people, he's like, you put your hand out and say, my name is, and you shake their hand. And that's the feedback we've gotten from people is that they're really impressed by that. Again, not to impress other people, but like people are going to remember if they meet 10 kids in the last three months, they're going to remember the one child that that shook their hand and said, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, very nice to meet you. And then even the follow-up question. So that was something that he just got in his head that he wanted his kids to do. And I love it. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, that is a lost art. That is a Mm -hmm. lost art. And you're reminding me because again, I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, we had major, one of the ways my parents trained us to be polite was when we had home phones (laughs) and you picked up the phone (laughs) and you said, hello, this is Elise Daly, who may ask is calling. Like, mm-hmm. It may have been even more complicated than that, but that's what I remember <laughs> of it. I, I mean, like, and, and I've actually been called out recently because of cell phone stuff. 
Mm. by my own sister who's like, I'll kind of go, uh-huh, when I pick up the phone. And she's like, hello, how are you? And it's kind of true, right? We've, we've lost some of these niceties or formalities because mm-hmm. of some of the way we, we conduct our communication. But I mm-hmm. think a handshake, that, that's handshake, look you in the eye, that's gold. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. if handshakes right now are acceptable, but they will be again <laughs> because of because of COVID. <laughs> Seriously, like yeah, totally. People yeah, are, you're right. But, but um, I love that too because I, I really think like life is hard, and those to be able to send kind of send your kids out into the world as these little moments of joy and other some stranger's life. Mm. You know, I've seen, especially like elderly people will see my kids in the grocery store and for some reason they'll just light up, you know, and you see them kind of slumping along, whatever's going on. They see a Mm. little kid and they're just, Oh, a little, a child. And then have an interaction with the child's, and then that brightened up their whole day. Yes. Like, yeah. No, to to be able to do that, I think is is just a good thing. Like I said, life is so hard. Great. Have that little moment in someone else's life is is wonderful. And, yeah. and that's as simple. Handshake as from a kid would make my day. But even as simple as teaching your kids to smile at people, mm-hmm. yes. you know, to to be able to to you know walk down the street and look up at the person walking towards you and smile. That's that too can be alarming and wonderful (laughs) when people do that. Yeah. There's something magical about lovely little kids. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. There's just something. Mm -hmm. I think lovely little everybody's big, big, big adults that (laughs) actually walk down the street and smile at you and say, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's tied closely to the ability to focus and to be present. I would lump those all together, you Mm. know, like read the room. Like there, when there's other people in the room, don't be on your phone. Don't be so easily distracted. You don't have to always be checking in to see what's going on. I mean, that takes training for a grown up. definitely takes training for an adult, but I mean, for a child, but that ability to focus and be present and be in the moment instead of, you know, well, what's coming next? Well, what time are we going to be done? When are we Mm going to be out of here? And, you know, our kids have asked us that. And I'm like, we're here. We're going to leave when we're going to leave. Like, we know that you would like to do X, Y, and Z later today, but we're here now. And I, and let's, you know, cause that doesn't make people feel great when you're already talking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. Or like asking, when are you going to be able to leave? Like nobody wants to hear that. I mean, yeah. even as a grown-ups, somebody's visiting your house and their kid can't wait to get out of there. Like that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for you know the host. It's uncomfortable for their parents. And so, yeah, ability to be present in the here yeah, and now. That's good. Mm-hmm. Be aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. I do want to say though, if if this feels like we're giving you this long, long list of things you should be doing with your kids. I don't want it to feel overwhelming. I think one of the greatest things that we've um, done and what my husband's done is he hones in on one thing and you work on that thing for a while, for a couple of weeks, see if it works, follow up, be on top of that. It's too hard to be on on top of all of these things all the time, especially if they don't come naturally to you and if they're not 
if they're not something that you already have in place. And so don't be discouraged by this list, but like, think about what is it that we're looking to represent? What are our values? And are these, if I let my kid get away with this particular behavior, is that bringing us closer to our values or further away from our values? So just think of it as a, like one step at a time, working those things into your family. Yeah, I think that's essential. Otherwise it gets completely overwhelming and you abandon ship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just like, what's one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. just that maybe, maybe it's just saying please when Mm -hmm. you want something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and knowing that it's not going to be overnight. We had a conversation about something once Kimberly and you were saying how it took two years for, I can't remember. I think it was chores, chores. I have literally, since that conversation, I've reminded myself like Alana took her two years. That's right. That's right. (laughs) But just there's a freedom in that in Mm -hmm. knowing that it's not necessarily going to be some sort of, it's definitely not going to be. I was going to say it sure as heck isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Trans transformation. No, no, it's going to take time and don't necessarily even put a time limit on it. Mm -hmm. Just go, Mm -hmm. this is what we're working on until it's where we want it to be. Mm -hmm. And then we will, we can work on, you know, the next thing, right. Don't abandon it too soon, but Mm -hmm. you know, let it, let it breathe, give it the time it needs to become a part of what your family is. Yeah. So what are some things that we can do that it will enable our kids to be light or another way of putting it? What can we do to not enable the behavior that we don't like? I do think we've talked about training, uh, Mm -hmm. role-playing, setting them up before you get into a situation. This Mm -hmm. is what it's going to be like, you know, if you've, so I think there's preparation, Mm -hmm. uh, but I also think there's the download afterwards, if there has been an incident mm. or a situation that's that where you've seen not what you wanted to see, really working on not making this a place of shame and, and condemnation, but really just saying, just want to talk to you about what happened in this scenario. And, and maybe instead of you shouldn't, you know, all the use, tell me a little bit more about maybe how you were feeling, whatever, whatever we've been able to observe bringing it back and, and using it as a teachable moment instead mm-hmm. of a moment of blame and shame and really, really following through. And it does take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I think in that conversation, it's important to share your why, like, why is it important that you behave differently? Like not this, you should do this because I told you, you should do right. this. Like there's right. a reason, like, I love you. I care about you. And yeah, this matters to me and us as a family. Mm-hmm. I also like in those conversations, if it involved, you know, directly involved another person mm-hmm. to ask them to consider the experience that that other person had mm-hmm. with the way that they were being, you know, how do you think? And, you know, fam- I've said this before, but family is the first society, right? Yeah. So that's, that's your first opportunity. So when you have those sibling squabbles, mm-hmm. you know, going, well, how do you think you're brother would feel or is feeling with the way that you're treating him or vice versa? Mm -hmm. How could you treat him? You know, and then of course, when you say treat him or treat her the way you want to be treated and they say, well, I would want them to give me the toy. (laughs) (laughs) Backfires. 
so you know you gotta base it on their their age and stage and and all of that but of course definitely that post incident conversation of of you know we're growing not you know shame yeah and mm-hmm. also how 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 would you like to feel how would you like somebody to treat you in that yeah which is basically what you're saying it's just like literally if we can get our kids that's hard for kids <laughs> they are tended tend to be selfish little beings but if we can or self-centered at least if we can really get them to think about how good does it feel when so and so does this with you mm-hmm. well that's what we're doing for other people you know mm-hmm. we move in in a world with people and we want yeah. to be able to move into that world nicely and well yeah yeah i know i can think of times when i have allowed my kids to get away with things because it was just easier and i wanted to be liked by them and i wanted to be you know maybe their friend prematurely i mean i know better i know in my head my right now in this season my job is not to be their friend but i will often sacrifice respect to have them like me. And really mm. I'm just doing them a disservice and I'm just making it harder for me later on. Right. Cause it's hard yeah. to backtrack and it's hard to go. Ooh, like we've been doing this for years, but we shouldn't have been doing. Although Alana, we talked about in a previous conversation about how you said, this is, a, you know, a, being honest and saying, this is a standard we have and we haven't been following it, but now, now we're going to, Yeah. but so if we can, you know, be willing to have you know, our kids dislike us temporarily or be angry with us after we've corrected them or coached them, we need to be willing to be uncomfortable so that the greater good and that long, the the, the future, the the long game, the, yeah. the yeah. better service that happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's such a thread of, and you had written this down, but a thread of delayed gratification, I think, mm-hmm. in like everything that we've been saying in this on this topic of, you know, it's good for them to experience delayed gratification. It's good for us. It's good for them to have goals and to be working towards things. You know, it's just a good base. It's a good basic human concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when it gets wearisome, it's, it's important to remember, you know, we're we're not giving up on, on us. We're not going to, and even even sometimes to teach your child that you know we're we're not going to give up on this we're going to do this and it's yeah. going to be awesome yeah we're going to succeed with this yeah i think something that we get wrong is that um i've heard people say you mentioned boundaries earlier but i i have heard people say that like boundaries hinders their creativity their creative development them them expressing who they are but I, I don't think that that's true i mm-hmm. i think that there's something to be said there's character be, to be built within boundaries I actually find I'm far more creative when I'm given boundaries, having to come up with solutions and having to practice restraint really allows me to flourish. And that holds true for our kids. We don't have to let them run wild, express themselves, you know, express anger, express, express, you know, discontent that, that is not, that doesn't help them be more of themselves. You know, mm, how can we channel so that good. into a different direction? Yeah, that that's, I think, one of the core issues that people face is 
this idea that running around crazy, being disobedient (laughs) is being a kid or (laughs) expressing yourself, or it's like, it's their personality. And somehow Mm -hmm. obedient children came, you know, (laughs) popped out the womb, obedient and lovely or whatever, you know, positive descriptors you want to put on it. And then disobedient children came out the same way, the opposite. So, you know, there's really nothing you can do. It's like, oh, well, these people got lucky with their nice, polite children. And how do they do it? No one knows. It's it's unknowable. And, and these children over here are terrorizing everyone. And well, they're just, you know, high spirited. So it's like, let's bring all of that down on both ends and, you know, understand that yeah, there's, there's going to be some personality traits Mm -hmm. that might lend themselves more one way or another. You know, Mm -hmm. my daughter is more of an introvert. She's just naturally more, what's the word? Not fastidious, but you know, conscientious, like she cares. She makes her bed every morning. I do not make my bed every morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are not the same in that way. My my son is, you know, what you might call pretty standard boy, lots of energy, loves, you know, Legos and video games and trucks and the whole thing. And so we, we actually had to help him channel his energy when he was just a, just a toddler in a way that we didn't have to do with my daughter. Because they do have some, you know, various differences that they came into this world with, but there still was intentional training involved Mm -hmm. with, with both of them. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, you know, if this kind of subtopic is, you know, what do we get wrong? It's, it's that idea that however they are, is just how they are. And there's really nothing I can do about it as a parent without sort of suppressing them and putting undue burdens of boundaries on them that doesn't mm-hmm. allow them to be who they really are. I think we we need to take a step back from that and go what what is it of who they are that how that's you know how God made them that is maybe being suppressed or maybe being let wild with no mm-hmm. restraint where we can come in as a parent and like Elisa is saying, you know, training them and, and in the way that they, you know, should go as the mm-hmm. Bible says, but as mm-hmm. Elisa also said. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that uh, scripture that says no discipline is pleasant at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. What is that one? Is that the same? No. I don't know. Sounds like a proverb, but yeah, but, yeah. but I wish I had the rest of it, but basically that's true. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's not easy to do some of, some of the training comes, as you're saying, Alana, some more naturally to some kids than others. Mm -hmm. It might take a little more work with somebody, somebody else who's just, their tendency is not to necessarily go along with the program. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, that's a little bit of a shock too. And (laughs) when it turns out everybody ends up with their own personality. (laughs) Who knew? Every human being is an individual. Exactly. (laughs) And you have to come up with different, different ways of training them and Mm -hmm. and different lengths of time sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. And our home is the perfect training ground for this. I mean, like that is where the kids are going to make their mistakes and that's where we get to train them. And that's where we get to say, okay, let's cultivate this in our own home under our own roof because they're not going to be, we can't expect the kids to behave a certain way in public if we're not holding them to that standard in our own homes. And so how do they interact with family members? How do they interact with siblings? If they're doing it inside the home, they're most certainly doing it outside the home. And Mm so let's think of it as a training ground and let's, you know, that's where they get to make the mistakes. That's where they get to like get their reps in and hone their skills and, and, and seize, seize the opportunities you have to, to teach them these things. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think we sometimes think that at home, you can just let go of everything you've ever known and just, you know, treat people and furniture and whatever, any way you please, but out there, you know, outside of your home, you have to act a certain way. And I don't subscribe to that idea. I think that, you know, obviously, you know, you're not going to walk around in your underwear out of your, outside of your home. Um, (laughs) You might, you know, burp a little more freely at home, but the way that you treat other people has got to be the same at home as it is mm-hmm. out there or right. how are you, how are you going to learn it? How are you going to, and like you said, how are you going to make mistakes and learn from them? Learn, you're going to make mistakes, but how are you going to recover well from those mistakes? Mm-hmm. If you're only making them out there with people who are not going to take the time to help you with mm-hmm. those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's good. All right, ladies, any last thoughts on this? No, I feel like there's a, there's kind of a, a a few really good takeaways, like, you know, one thing at a time and really having an idea, an intentional idea of what you want, what are the things that you really want to cultivate in your family Mm -hmm. and not giving up until you've gotten there. Mm -hmm. That's a good summary. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. This has been a great conversation and I'm going to be working on a few things with my kids. <laughs> Me too. Me oh, no, too. I can't. I know. We're dead. <laughs> too late for you. Too late for us. <laughs> Subtle sneak attacks. Like set the example. That's, that's well, the yes. thing. Set the always, example. Always, always. Yes. So even as a mom of grown children, we can set the, the example. Yeah. You know? And I've, I've failed many times. So there you go. (laughs) Good reminder. We all have, I'm sure. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Amici and you can find the podcast at, at build your best family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.